Um, before we start, I'm um, just going to need two volunteers. So, Isaac, you can be a volunteer. Sam, is that a hand there? You can be a volunteer too. Why don't you guys come up the front? Did you want to be a volunteer, Russ? Yeah. It's like those auctions where you get the phantom bids, isn't it? So, we're just going to do a little activity with Isaac and Sam. So, there's a little etchy sketch, but it's probably a Tommy Mega Sketcher. So, not the real thing, obviously. I don't know, maybe. Um, so we're going to just test to see how these guys are at math, all right? So we're going to give them a series of maths problems, and they're, they're going to be pretty straightforward, um, I hope, and uh, we'll see how they go. Um, Sam? Yes? I'm going to let you use this. So. So, good luck, mate. So, um, the first, the first uh, one is six times seven. What do we think? Well, yeah. Well, not for the easy ones, probably. I mean, like, what are you teaching our kids? I don't know. So we got forty-two and forty-two. Correct. Yes, I think we agree with that. All right. Um, this one's for you. Five divided by four. Oh, wait, five divided by four. <laughs> we talked about that one earlier, so. All right, what have we got? Can you write, like, not less like a doctor and more like a teacher? I would like a scribe as well. I don't want to drop your phone. That's okay. All right, uh, let's get a little bit harder. Um, 313 divided by six. Three hundred and thirteen divided by six. What have we got, Sam? Fifty-two point one six repeating. Well done. Good job, Isaac. He said fifty-two point one. Good job. That's very impressive. All right, four hundred and eighty-six thousand divided by seven point. Four, eight, six. <laughs> What's the answer, Sam? It's 64,921.18. Bad luck, mate. Bad luck. All right. One, one more. We'll see if Isaac can redeem himself. Um, six million... And 36. <laughs> divided by 7.3. About 900,000, something like that. You've already impressed us. How'd you go, mate? <laughs> okay, thank you very much to Isaac and Sam. Good volunteering. Skillful with a calculator. Yeah. So much for the no, yes, we can work on that.
So it seemed like Sam had a bit of an unfair advantage, right? So Isaac was obviously doing, uh, doing his best and he did very well, uh, but Sam had an unfair advantage by using the calculator. So what I'm going to talk about today is living life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's a little example there, but Isaac doing it on his own strength versus Sam having the calculator is like living through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we can look at the calculator, like being the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit, gives us a head start, right? An advantage that other people don't have. The interesting thing is that initially, you can have very similar outcomes. So Isaac was able to get a few of the ones initially, same as Sam. But as we progressed and we got harder and harder, i.e. when life gets harder and harder, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we're going to go astray. So we're going to talk about someone today who also worked through the power of the Holy Spirit. At times, he was very powerful, and at times, he was very ordinary. Um, So I'm going to continue through the series, Lessons from the Life of, and today we're going to talk about Samson. Um, I always, uh, not always, I often think about who more than I actually spend time writing my sermon. So it took me a while to figure out who the next person is, but I I prayed about it, I thought about it, and and today it's going to be Samson. So Samson was extraordinary when he moved by the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, but fallible and ordinary without it. So lessons from the life of Samson. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at uh, who he was, what he did. We'll then look at his key attributes and weaknesses, what we can learn from him, and then lastly, what can we apply from his life in our own lives. So firstly, who was Samson and what did he do? So the name Samson actually means sun-like or or to be like the sun. He's mentioned 38 times by name in the Old Testament and once in the New Testament. Anyone know where he's mentioned in the New Testament? Correct, Warren, correct. So he's a hero hero of the faith. So you can come up to the front now. So we first hear of Samson in Judges 13. So uh, at the time, Israel had been in conflict with the Philistines for around 40 years, and the the Philistines had oppressed the Israelites for about 40 years. So we we hear of Samson's parents who were unable to have kids. So we we often hear of different women in in the Bible who are barren, and their kids end up being special in some way. So an angel of the Lord appears to Samson's mum, and says to, he, uh, says to her that, uh, that, he would, that she would have a son and that this son would deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines. So Samson's mother was told some specific instructions for this son that she was going to have. So she needed to abstain from alcohol herself, which I think is a good thing when you're pregnant. Um, maybe they didn't know it at the time. Um, and she was to raise her child as a Nazarite. So, which is a number, which is a vow from number six, which essentially meant you would have to abstain from wine, not cut your hair, or be made unclean in any way, uh, mostly touching a a dead body. So, eventually, um, after not entirely being convinced at first, uh, Samson is born. Uh, he, the angel of the Lord has to appear to Samson's parents again, especially his father, because he wasn't sure if what her, his wife had heard was of God. Uh, and Samson is born and he's dedicated to the Lord and raised in the manner that's outlined uh, by the angel. So he's raised as a Nazarite. So he's set apart from birth. Uh, as he grows older, we don't know much about his uh, adolescent years, but as he grows older, we, we find that he uh, takes a fancy to a young Philistine woman. Um, as was the custom at the time, and, and to the young men in the room, it's not like this anymore, but he, he told his parents, I want to marry her, 
get her for me. So um, it's not as, not as straightforward as that anymore. Um, his parents did try to convince him to, to marry an Israelite rather than a Philistine because obviously um, it, wasn't, uh, it was against the law and it was frowned upon at the time. Um, but the heart wants what the heart wants, I guess. Uh, so he was very insistent that he did want to marry this girl. Um, the interesting part of this little uh, part of Samson's story is that it was actually the Lord's will for this marriage to occur so he would actually be able to oppose the Philistines through it, so, which is interesting. Um, on their way down to, to speak with this new potential bride, so he, he liked the look of her, then he thought, well, maybe I should speak to her at some point. Um, Samson encounters a lion. Not ideal. He rips uh, apart the lion with his own bare hands, but he doesn't tell anyone about this, which I, which I find very curi- curious. So we'll go through that in a little bit later. Um, he then speaks to the woman that he, that he has got a fondness for, finds out that she's got a great personality, which is great. So... Um, <laughs> Let's, uh, let's, let's get this wedding going. So the wedding is set, and uh, when Samson returns to, to Timnah, which is where the, the girl was from, he notices that a, uh, a swarm of bees has made honey out of the lion carcass that he had killed. So he eats some of the honey, and then he also gives some to his parents. Doesn't tell them what it's from, but they eat it as well. Um, so at the wedding, they're all having a great time, and the interesting thing is that the in-laws picked 30 groomsmen for Samson. So I don't know if Samson didn't have any mates or what the, what the story was. Maybe they were paying for the wedding, but they decided that they would have 30 groomsmen, which is, which is going to be quite interesting with all the photos. Luckily, they didn't have photos at the time, but to, to organise 30 groomsmen would have been quite difficult. I think they were, they were quite happy. They were probably very merry. Maybe you know they were one or two drinks down. So Samson decides to give his uh, groomsmen a riddle. So, and they play for, so if they get it right, they get 30 robes and outfits. And obviously, if they get it wrong, Samson gets 30 robes and outfits. A bit strange, I, I know, but that's what they were playing for. Um, the riddle from Judges 14, 14, I'm sure most of you have heard it, but out of the one who eats something to eat, out of the strong came something sweet. So they, gave, they got given seven days. So it was a seven-day wedding feast, and they got given seven days to, to think of the answer. After about four days, uh, they still couldn't figure it out. So they went to Samson's uh, bride and, and said, hey, we need to know what, what the answer to, to this riddle is. Um, and they, they persuaded her by threatening to burn down her house with her father and her in it. So... Um, things really escalated there, right? Um, they, they got out of hand quick. Um, I'm not sure if there was any tridents involved or not, but they did get out of hand. So, so Samson's wife, scared for her life, uh, eventually gets, in t- uh, gets the info out of him. And on the seventh day, they answer uh, in verse 18 of chapter 14, what is sweeter than honey? Uh, what is stronger than a lion? So Samson is furious, so he knows that uh, they obviously had to... Well, the words he uses is that you wouldn't have got the answer if you hadn't ploughed with my heifer. So um, <laughs> we'll, we'll move on from there, but... Um... comes upon him powerfully. He kills 30 Philistine men and uh, he takes their outfits and he gives it to the groomsmen um, as, as their prize. 
So he goes back to his father-in-law's house to, to claim his bride, uh, to, only to find that his bride has now been given away to one of his groomsmen. So um, Samson, uh, Samson's father-in-law assumed that possibly because of the betrayal that he wouldn't be interested in her anymore, but he was. Um, he does try to appease and, and placate him by offering the younger sister, which, which apparently was more beautiful than, than the one he was interested in, but he wasn't happy, so he got very angry, um, and you wouldn't like Samson when he's angry. So he goes out, he catches 300 foxes, which is no mean feat. Um, he ties their tails together and attaches a torch to them and releases it uh, in, the, in the vineyards of the Philistines. So he destroys the grain fields, the vineyards, and the olive groves. So not ideal. So the Philistines responded um, by seizing and burning Samson's father and, and father-in-law and wife. So again, not ideal. Um, Samson's enraged by this, so he goes and, and kills a lot of Philistines because he's led by the power of the Spirit. Obviously, the Lord wanted to oppose the Philistines, so he was doing this through Samson. And after fighting for a little while, Samson eventually fl flees to a cave. So the Israelites and the Philistines continue to fight. Uh, eventually, the, Philist uh, the Israelites say to the Philistines, well, why are you doing this to us? And the Israelites say, well, uh, the Philistines say, well, it's because of Samson. You know, if you bring him out to us, you know, we'll, we'll stop. Um, so if you've watched any movie ever, when, they, when the bad guys say that, they never stop. But uh, the Israelites go to the cave with 3,000 men and they say to Samson, well, you need to give yourself up. So Samson says, okay, I will give myself up under the proviso that you do no harm to me, but you just tie me up and you give me to the, to the Philistines. So they agree, they tie him up with uh, two new ropes uh, and they hand him over to the Philistines. So as the Philistines approach and they see Samson, they, they, they rejoice, right? They're, they're celebrating, they're shouting in triumph. Um, because they've, their enemy has now been captured. Um, but the Spirit of the Lord comes powerfully upon Samson at that time. So the, the ropes, they, they break um, very easily, and he finds a jawbone of a recently killed donkey, and he kills 1,000 Philistine men with the jawbone of a donkey. So um, pretty incredible. Um, Samson then, uh, he becomes a leader uh, or the judge of, of Israel and he leads uh, Israel for 20 years all up. And the, the Philistines never forgot about that though. So they always plotted to capture and kill him. Um, the story goes on. Um, Samson visits a prostitute in, in Gaza. The Philistines hear about this. They try to capture him, but he escapes the next morning uh, by apparently lifting up the gates and, and walking and dropping the gates on top of a hill. It's pretty incredible. Um, next, we, we hear about Samson falling in love with Delilah. So um, the Philistine leaders also hear about this and they, they seek her out and they convince her to hand Samson over to them in exchange for copious amounts of silver. Um, Delilah agrees. So Delilah um, asked Samson, what's, the, what's the, the power? What's your secret? Why do you have this supernatural strength? Samson gives her three different, uh, different answers. Obviously, none of them work. And in Judges 15, 15, we hear um, how Delilah responded to this. So, and this is in uh, the New Living Translation. So then Delilah pouted, how can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? 
You've made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. We can, we can feel his pain, can't we, man? Yeah, no, only joking, I wouldn't say that. We'll cut that out of the recording. Um, so eventually Samson cracks, right? He's being pestered day after day, so he eventually cracks and tells her, if you cut my hair, then I will lose my strength. So Delilah calls in a man to shave seven locks of Samson's hair. His supernatural strength leaves him. He's captured by the Philistines. They gouge out his eyes. Um, he's bound in bronze chains and he's forced to grind grain in a prison. So he, 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 he's, you know, he's not in, in very good shape at this stage, right? Um, but his hair does start to grow back, which is interesting. It says that in the Bible that his hair does start to grow back. So later on, the Philistines decide, hey, we've captured Samson. We're going to hold a festival to honor our god Dagon at their temple because our enemy has been captured. So Samson's brought out uh, for their entertainment, um, and Samson, he's blind at this stage, asked to, be, um, asked to be positioned next to the pillars of the temple that support the temple so he can rest on them. So they're all amused by him, probably making him dance or whatever they were doing, and they're all laughing and, and joyous in celebration. And there was about 3,000 people that were just drunk with, um, with celebration and happiness. Um, so Samson decided that he would pray for one last infilling of supernatural strength to bring down the temple. So Samson prays to God and he is filled by the power of the Holy Spirit one last time and he brings down the temple with himself and everyone included. And in fact, it says in, in, in Judges that he killed more people on his death than he did throughout his life. So that's quickly the story of Samson. So a man set apart from birth, who gained supernatural strength and power through the power of the Holy Spirit, a man who led Israel for 20 years but was undone twice because he loved the wrong women. Um, but he was a man that was redeemed at his death by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting to note that Samson was the last judge of Israel. Um, Samuel the prophet followed him as the leader of Israel, and obviously Saul followed Samuel as the king of Israel. So what we're going to do now, after looking at his life, we're going to have a look at his key attributes. So his first key attribute, and, and this may be a little contradictory, um, but... Samson, uh, Samson, I keep saying Samsung, Samson. Samson was obedient. So he did obey, obey his parents initially. So hear me out on this. So Samson's parents were told to raise him as a Nazarite, right? So some of the, uh, some of the vows of being a Nazarite are pretty easy growing up, right? Stay away from dead bodies. Check. I think I can pretty much do that, right? So that should be relatively straightforward uh, to, to do. Um, the other one's a little bit harder, right? So at, through his adolescence and as a young man, he would have seen his mates going out, drinking and having fun, but he was told to abstain from that. And as far as we can tell, initially he followed that, right? Um, the one that he did follow very clearly was to not cut his hair. So again, that would have been difficult. So, you know, it's hot in the Middle East, right? So to have a big flowing mane of hair would have been difficult. And initially, he does obey his parents. And remember, the, 
the angel of the Lord appeared to his parents before he was born. And as far as we can see in the scripture, the angel of the Lord never appeared to Samson and said, hey, you're going to be a Nazarite and this is, what we're going to, this is what, how I'm going to work powerfully through you. So he followed the instruction of his parents. But we do know that he does eventually depart from this. Um, secondly, what's the second key attribute of Samson? So the second key attribute is that he moved in the power of the Holy Spirit. So Samson was set apart from birth. Um, but no doubt so were many other children at the time. So I'm sure he's not the only Nazarite, uh, well, the only boy who's been raised in Nazarite by pious Jewish parents, right? So I'm sure that there was many um, boys like him uh, around at the time. And the interesting thing is when, when Samson kills the lion with his bare hands, he must have realized that there's something different. And, and obviously I think um, he was confused because he wasn't sure and he doesn't tell anyone about it. So he would have realized that when the power of the Holy Spirit falls upon him, that something is different to what's going on uh, with, with, with everybody else. So he, he would have realized that, okay, well, I am set apart like many others, but the power of the Holy Spirit's making a difference in my life that doesn't seem like anybody else has got. Um, so next, Samson had faith in God. So there, there are couple of examples of his faith in God. There's one example in, in Judges 14 verses 18 when after a victory, he cries out to God and says, uh, I've had this amazing victory or you've had this amazing victory. Am I now going to die of thirst? And, and God, um, God does intervene right, and, and, he, and provides water for him. So I'm not going to read that, but that's from Judges 14 verses 18. The other example of his faith is actually from his death, which is in Judges 15. So we will read this. So Judges 15 from verse 28. So remember, this is uh, at the temple when he's been brought out. So from 28, then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. O God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple, pushing against them with both hands. He prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he did during his entire lifetime. So despite the fact that Samson was further apart from God than he had ever been in his life. So he'd been captured. He'd been defeated, essentially. His eyes were gone. He was no longer going to be the ruler. He was their prisoner. He was kind of useless, right? So he was grinding grain in a prison. Despite all of these facts, he still had faith in God. He was still reliant on God. He knew that if he called out to God and he trusted this, that God would still come through for him one last time. So despite his many trials and travails, his faith in God remained. And this point is highlighted by the fact that Samson is included as a hero of the faith by the writer of the Hebrews, which Warren told us was in Hebrews 11. So they're the key strengths of, of, of Samson. So he was obedient, he moved in the power of the Holy Spirit, and he had faith in God. Let's look at his key weaknesses now. So Samson's, Samson's key strengths uh, are pretty, pretty easy or pretty difficult to decipher, really, actually. His strengths, when we think about it, his weaknesses aren't so much. It's pretty clear that we can have a look at where his weaknesses lie. So his first key weakness, so Samson's first key weakness was his lust for women. So firstly, Samson ignored Jewish custom by marrying a Philistine woman. Why? Because she pleased him. 
So he decided that despite all of my custom, despite all the law telling me not to, she pleases me, so I'm going to do it. Um, his, his parents obviously pleaded with him, but he didn't, he didn't care. Um, and this decision ended up causing many difficulties for everyone involved. So not just Samson, but his wife, his father-in-law, they all encountered many difficulties because of that one decision. Um, Samson also spends time with a prostitute in Gaza. So he, he's, he has a lust for women there. And then lastly, he falls for Delilah. Now, initially, no big deal. Not ideal that Delilah is not an Israelite again, but no big deal. But when Delilah asks, you know, what's the, what's the secret to your power? And then you tell her something and then men mysteriously appear the next day to try it out. Once, you'd be like, okay, that was very coincidental. But um, second time, the third time, and you're still there. You know, what does it say? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, and I'm Samson. I don't know if that's the saying, but um, not ideal, right? So he, he stayed in the relationship knowing clearly that her intentions were not honorable. Um, but his focus was clearly on the desires of the flesh. So he was blinded by that. So rather than following through the desires of the spirit, he focused on the desires of the flesh. Um, Secondly, Samson strayed away from the instructions of his parents. So we know clearly that initially that he followed the, the instructions of how to be a Nazarite, and no doubt his parents would have told him what's involved and that an angel of the Lord appeared to him, so tell me again, what was the story? And they would have gone through it all. And for the, for the most part, initially, he, he follows this. Um, but when a girl comes along and, and becomes involved, everything changed. So we can see clearly, and again, we don't know what happened through his adolescence, but we can see clearly that when he went down to Timnah and he saw that a, a girl that pleased his eye, everything changed from there. So he disobeyed his parents by wanting to marry a Philistine, first thing. Then to make matters worse, he decides to um, partake of this celebration that goes for seven days to celebrate his nuptials, right? And I was reading up a little bit about this celebration, but essentially it seems like it was, it was possibly known as what's known as a mister, so M-I-S-T-E-H, but I wasn't able to find that much information about it, um, but it was a wine drinking feast. So he's supposed to abstain from drinking wine, right? So... Even the fact that maybe he didn't drink, maybe he did. The fact that he had this riddle would probably make me suggest that he was very happy. Um, so he's partaking of this feast and, and he's actively making it happen by celebrating for his, for his wedding. So he's clearly doing something that he's explicitly not supposed to be doing. So marrying a, uh, a Philistine, okay, grey area perhaps against custom maybe. It is against the law, but maybe they, they weren't that big on it. But drinking very explicitly wrong. Then to make matters worse, when he's going down to Timnah, he encounters a lion, right? He kills that lion with his bare hands. Not a big deal, okay? Not Well, it's a big deal to kill a lion with your bare hands, but (laughs) it's not against his Nazarite vows to kill the lion, right? But something different happens, right? So he finds that the lion, uh, in the lion's carcass, that a swarm of bees have made honey, right? But let's have a look at how he actually found out. So Judges 14, 
verse 8. So Judges 14, verse 8. It's really important to look at this. So later, so again, he's been down the first time, kills the lion, girl's good, they go back, now they're coming back for the wedding feast. Later, when he returned to Timnah for the wedding, he turned off the path to look at the carcass of the lion. And he found that a swarm of bees had made some honey in the carcass. So he doesn't come across this carcass by chance. He actively turns off the path to look at it. And it's clearly against his Nazarite vows to be made unclean by any dead beings. So he actively does it. So it's, it's very interesting to note at this stage, his disobedience to his parents was not a passive kind of disobedience that kind of happened. It was an active disobedience. He was deliberately doing it. It was done by choice. This point also shows another one of Samson's weaknesses, which is that he was willing to compromise. So Samson had some Nazarite vows, and he followed some of them, but not all of them. So initially, for the most part, it looks like he followed all of them, but then he decides to firstly be made unclean by the dead carcass, and then secondly, he decides that he's going to partake of this wedding wine-drinking feast for his, for his wedding. And then he decides that two out of three ain't bad, so he'll not cut his hair. So he's following two of them. But, no, he's not following two of them, but he is following one of them. So he's picking and choosing as it suits him. So he's willing to compromise his faith and willing to compromise his belief when it suits him to do so. And lastly, um, if we were to summarize Samson's weaknesses into one final point, is that Samson was hedonistic, which just means that he sought out his own self-pleasure. He was a man that lived for, for his pleasure. And that was the primary driver in his life, to, to do things that pleased him. He wanted to marry the, the Philistine girl because she pleased him. He was all about his own pleasure and nobody else. And he wasn't going to let anybody get in the way. So not what his parents said, not what God said, not anybody. So Samson was about his own pleasure. And this caused him to be impulsive, to be driven by lust, and to be driven by anger. All right, so that's his weaknesses. What can we actually learn from the life of Samson now? So, so firstly, we need to live our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. So Samson had supernatural strength when the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, but he was ordinary without it. And Samson could only further his mission in God through the strength that God gave him. So without the strength, he could do nothing. With, with it, he was completely unstoppable. And we too should live our lives the same way. Now, it's interesting to note that when we think about what we can achieve in the world and in the flesh, you can pretty much achieve all of that without God. So if you want to get married and get a good job and have kids and do all that sort of stuff, you don't need God for any of that. You can achieve all of that, right? Um, but to, to, to achieve what God actually has in store for you, to, to walk in the fullness of the plans and purposes for your life, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit, to, 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 to work out his ministry in the world, we too need the power of the Holy Spirit to live our lives supernaturally. So we can live perfectly 
ordinary, natural lives without God. But if we want to live supernatural lives, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to learn to live our lives in reliance of the Holy Spirit and, and not in ourselves. Secondly, what's the second lesson we can learn from the life of Samson? So you cannot be controlled by the desires of flesh and be led by the Spirit at the same time. So you cannot be controlled by the desires of the flesh and be led by the Spirit at the same time. So Galatians 5.16 says you will be controlled by one or the other. So it's the Spirit or the flesh, right? It's not both. So it says in Galatians 5.16, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So to walk in the Spirit is to kill the lust of the flesh. And to be driven by the lust of the flesh is to kill the Spirit of God in your life. So they're polar opposite influences over your life. So it's not one or the other. Galatians 5.9 also says, A little yeast spreads through the whole batch of dough. So Samson walked in the, the lust of the flesh and it cost him dearly. We need to flee from the lust of the flesh because as soon as it takes a foothold in your life, so you've got one foot in both camps, as soon as it takes a foothold in your life, it's a slippery slope. That was for you, Julian. We talked about that slippery slopes, right? <laughs> Not in a bad way. I mean, Julian isn't going down a slippery slope, for the record. <laughs> so the lust of the flesh did take over Samson's life, and this led to dire consequences for him. And if we do have one foot in the world and one foot in the Lord, it will lead to dire consequences for us also. So the interesting thing is, though, we may think that if I live in the lust of the flesh, who am I harming? If I seek out my self-pleasure, who am I harming? Isn't it just my life? I can do whatever I like. But we can see from the example of Samson that there's so much collateral damage, unintended consequences for his actions. And that's going to be the same for us. So living life controlled by the selfish lust of the flesh will not only affect us, but will affect those around us. So it's important to note that. And the unintended consequences of our actions may be difficult to foretell, but we need to be led by the Spirit which will actually protect us from following through the lust of our sinful nature. Um, the desires of our flesh will lead us to seek our own gratification. So when, when we live by the lust of the flesh, whereas the, the, living by the Spirit seeks to see the Lord and those lifted up around us, or those around us lifted up. So the desires of the flesh seeks to see ourselves gratified, but the desires of the Spirit seeks to see the Lord and those around us lifted up. All right, the next lesson, and uh, I, I tried to put some alliteration in this, so this is my alliteration topic and point. Compromise can cause constant catastrophe. So compromise can cause constant catastrophe. So we may think a little compromise here or there is not a big deal, right? So maybe we have some beliefs, and if we compromise one thing, it's not a big deal. But as we've just spoken about, it is a slippery slope. And a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. Um, Samson's compromises, while small, maybe seeing the lion's carcass, small compromise, maybe drinking wine, small compromise, had drastic consequences for those around him and for his life. Um, I remember a few years ago, about three years ago, I changed how uh, my setup at work changed, which meant that I had to travel a lot, but it also meant that the, the payback was that I got to work from home a lot. So it was November about three years ago, and um, 
I was working from home. This is my first day working from home. So um, I was quite motivated, right? This is a new thing. Get to spend more time at home. Um, it'll be good, you know, you've got all the creature comforts of home being there. So the unfortunate thing for me is that it coincided with the start of the cricket season. And it was Australia versus South Africa. And it was day one, I think it was at the Gabba. Traditionally, day one at the Gabba. So I thought to myself, okay, uh, I need to work. So, But what I'll do is I'll watch the toss, right? See who's batting. And then I'll work. Right, so first compromise. I'll watch the toss and see who's batting. Okay, then oh, we, maybe we won the toss, I can't remember. Maybe we're batting. So, okay, I'll watch the first over. I'll just watch the first over. Next compromise. I'll just watch the first over. That's it. Next compromise. I'll just watch the first hour until the drinks break. All right? <laughs> Next compromise. I'll just watch till lunchtime. And a few compromises later, you just watch five days of test cricket. <laughs> and and, and it might not seem a big deal at the time because it just caused me to, to work at night and it didn't really, wasn't a major, major issue in my life, but it affected those around me because it meant that I had to work at night. So the time that Tracy and I would spend together was now me working. And then I would probably have to work late, which would mean that, you know, the next day you're going to be grumpy and you're going to have to sleep in and then watch the cricket again. So it's a, it's a vicious cycle. And... This obviously didn't lead to disaster for me, right? It wasn't the end of the world. But one compromise can lead you down a path of disaster, a path of unintended consequences that will have drastic effects in your life. So we've heard of, of people, you know, young people making one decision, one compromise, one bad decision, you know, drinking and then driving. I'll just drive home. And it's the last decision that they've made. And one compromise, one bad decision can have drastic consequences for your life. Um, you know, I, I hear of um, you know, festivals you know, in Sydney at the you know, last few years. We've heard of these young kids overdosing on drugs. And you, you hear about these stories, you read about these stories, and most of them, it's the first time they've ever tried drugs. Once, right? One bad decision. And they think, oh, well, you know, it's no harm. We just have a festival. It's a little bit of fun. That's the last bad decision that they made. And one bad decision, one compromise can lead you down that path. And, it, and it's scary. So lastly, what can we learn and then apply from, from the lessons that we can learn from the life of Samson? So the application for us. So firstly, the application for us is we need to have our faith in God. We need to learn to trust Him without compromise. And we need to learn to live our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. Samson was ordinary when he tried to do things in his own strength. And so too will we be if we try to live our life through our own strength. We'll, we'll be very ordinary. So we need to learn to live our life not by our own strength, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. We do need to use what God's given us in the natural. That goes without saying. But we need to live in full reliance of Him, using what He's given us in the natural, but in a supernatural way through the power of the Holy Spirit. Doing things in our own strength will give us a lot of temporary gain. Whereas living by the Spirit of God is a journey. Lastly, what can we learn and apply from the life of Samson? So we can take heed of Samson's last prayer. So even if we think we're far away from God, we're too far removed, it's too late for us, we've made all of these bad decisions, 
that we can never be redeemed. We can look at the life of Samson and see how he was redeemed at his death. We need to repent and seek God no matter where we are, to seek his face no matter what path we've gone down. The Spirit of the Lord returned to Samson at the end of his life. Let's not leave it to the end of our lives to figure out that we need to repent and turn back to him. Um, repent and seek God's face. As long as there's breath in your body, it's not too late. So today you, you might think, oh, I've made all these bad decisions that uh, I've, I've made irreparable damage to my walk with God, but it's not too late. Samson made so many mistakes. He repeated his same mistakes over and over again, but it was still never too late. Samson, Samson wasn't perfect, nor, nor do we have to be. But we need to live our lives with reliance on the Holy Spirit and faith in God. That's the lesson we can learn from the life of Samson.